0: Coaches, how are you? Coach Kevin Furtado, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast Zoomcast. Uh, today we got a great interview. This is episode 205 with Coach Glenn Farello. He is uh, entering his 14th year as head, head boys basketball coach at Paul VI High School and 23rd overall in 2020-2021. Uh, the school is located in Chantilly, Virginia. Coach Farilla has been named Coach of the Year 13 times, most recently the WCAC Coach of the Year in 2018 and 19, and the VIS Coach of the Year in 2018-2020. His teams have been ranked in the top 20 in the DC metro area 17 years, including number one in 2012, 2014, 2018. His teams have been ranked in the top 25 in the country for 12 seasons. And the 2012, 2014, and 2018, Paul the six team's finished ranked in the top 10 nationally. His overall record is 480 and 194. He has had over 70 players that have played college basketball, four NBA players, 20 that have played professional basketball. Paul VI players have continued their basketball journeys to the collegiate level at top schools that include Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Indiana, Georgetown, Penn State, Minnesota, Louisville, Providence, VMI, Mount St. Mary's, George Mason, Fairfield University, U.S. Naval Academy, Hofstra, Nebraska, Butler, Villanova, Bucknell, Duke, and North Carolina. His teams have won state championships, 2002 Maryland state champions, 2009, 2012, 2014, and 18, and 20, the Virginia Independent School State Champions, the WCAC Championships, 2012, 2014, WCAC Tourney Champions, and the 2012, 2017, 2018, 2019, WCAC Regular Season Champions. I think you're going to enjoy this podcast <clears throat> with Coach Glenn Farello, and I'm also going to have my co-host, Coach Pete Acop with me, so I'm so excited about that, so um, stay tuned for the Championship Vision Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. What a great honor uh, to have Glenn, Coach Glenn Ferrello from Paul the Sixth High School in Chantilly, Virginia, hopefully I, I said it correctly, yes. um, and... He's going to share with us about he is he has built one of the best boys basketball programs in the country, and we're so honored to have him on the podcast. I also have my co-host, Coach Pete Aycock, who's a legendary coach out here in Georgia, Mississippi. So it's always good to share with uh, great minds. Uh, I'm just I'm just a worker bee. I don't have a great mind. I'm here to learn. Um, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Kind of give a little bio of your career. And how you got started into coaching?
1: Yeah, well, so thanks. First of all, thanks for having me here, Kevin and and Pete. It's 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 a pleasure to be with you and talk some hoops. Uh, I'll uh, I'll ramble on a bit, so uh, you sure. gotta, you gotta kind of have to cut me off at times, and we can do this for all night because uh, sure we all have a passion for what we do here. So I'm excited to kind of share and, and learn from you all too. Um, uh, so I've been coaching. This is my I want to say 20. Oh boy, here we go. 23rd year uh, as a head coach. I started out at Eleanor Roosevelt in uh, Greenbelt, Maryland. Um, Had a lot of fun there and spent uh, nine years as a head coach. Um, Five as an assistant, nine as a head coach. Um, And so we were able to build a fantastic program with some great, great players, uh, great coaches that that were able to come through uh, Prince George's County in Maryland, which is known to be the best in the country uh, uh, as far as just the pure talent and the, the love of the game. And so uh, I was really excited to get the opportunity 14 years ago now to, to join the WCAC, uh, which I consider the best conference in the country, uh, the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference um, uh, here at Paul Six. So I'm, I'm entering uh, year, year 14 with that and uh, been able to have a lot of fun, uh, you know, kind of building this program. And so to have be involved with uh, two programs is what, what's been great for me is uh, being here in the DMV, what we call D.C., Maryland, Virginia, uh, and there are so many uh, talented uh, players and coaches. Uh, is that my my players from Roosevelt kind of a, uh, adopted my players from uh, from PVI, so we're able to kind of keep that program sense and that family sense that uh, that we always had, and former players coming back and helping the young ones out. So it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and uh, we're excited to get to get into a new building. You mentioned Chantilly, Virginia. We were in Fairfax, Virginia, for a long time, and we just uh, moved into a brand new facility, 68 acres, beautiful campus. Uh, so we're in in week two of that uh, that era.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Um, talk about I – always, I always ask coaches, my favorite question is, who has been your mentors? And I know we talked earlier on the phone about Joe Wooten, the son of Morgan Wooten. Uh, you play against him all the time. But talk about some mentors that have kind of shaped your philosophy.
1: Wow, what a great question. I, I say, actually, you, you mentioned uh, 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 Joe Wooten, his father, Morgan. Uh, obviously, I think the best coach of all time, no matter what the sport, no matter what level. Uh, he was very influential for me. Eleanor Roosevelt's only 10 minutes away from DeMatha, uh, where, he, where he did all his work and a lot of his work. And, and uh, so he was actually instrumental in me even getting to my job at Paul VI. Uh, so I, I was always very appreciative of every conversation with him. And his tree of people here in the DMV is amazing. Uh, so there's the, 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 the friends that I have, a lot of them are uh, kind of uh, from the Morgan Hooten tree, if you will. Uh, so Pete Strickland, uh, who is who is, 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 played, played at DeMatha, played at, uh, played at Pitt, uh, coached in a lot of different places, with, uh, head coach at Coastal Carolina, assistant coaches at some places. You mentioned Old Dominion a, a little bit earlier. He was there at one point. Um, so uh, so Pete is someone that I've always looked up to and someone that I can make sure I can make a phone call to and, and, and hear about some of the things that, uh, hey, I have some questions. I, I actually just called him th- this morning. And for any of us to, to have that kind of uh, opportunity to call the coaches, and uh, I just I get some feedback, is, is tremendous. Uh, so, and then uh, influential, um, just just having the opportunity to be um, uh, my, my coaches uh, growing up. In fact, one of the best best uh, pieces of advice I've ever gotten was uh, from my baseball coach growing up. He said, Glenn, if you ever decide to get into coaching, call me Collect. That's, That's not how long ago it was. Call me Collect <laughs> anywhere in the world, I'll try to talk you out of it. And uh, so every time I ever get a chance to talk to Coach Janeiro, DeGener- I was like, Coach. I, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I should have taken <laughs> him up on it. I, I really should have. And then uh, I was very fortunate. My father was a, uh, a football coach and, and basketball coach growing up uh, and, and was a high school principal uh, for a long time. And so to be able to just count on him to, to call and say, hey, you know, I'm doing this or what do you think about that uh, was, was very helpful. But uh, for for being someone from my uh, group in Ohio and to move here in the DMV, uh, I've been fortunate that I've, I've just uh, made so many good friends and connections here for, for being able to uh, have some feedback and, and dialogue with, with so many great coaches.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have, I mean, you're in one of the, I mean, the, your, uh, it's a Western Catholic athletic
1: conference. Is that correct, coach? Or? Washington, Washington area. Cat, Cat, w- sorry, Washington. Yep,
0: yep, yep. Yes. Um, talk about the talent and the great, you mentioned earlier, Man, there's some great coaches. You better be on your game to coach in that conference, right?
1: Yeah, no, no question. No question. I, I know when uh, uh, over the last couple of years, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and we all get along so well. We understand what we're all going through. I would say this. Coaches, coaches need to, whatever, whatever league or wherever you are, like, it's a fraternity, right? We all understand that. We should be supportive of each other because we're the only ones that know what we go through. Right? <laughs> like, you got you uh, some, some challenges you have with players, with maybe parents, with with administrations, uh, you know, a lot of people coming at you in a lot of different ways. The only people that know what you go through are your fellow coaches. So let's make sure that we stay close and friends with uh, with all of our colleagues. And we battle on the, on the court or on the field uh, for sure. But uh, so yeah, so like the Mike Jones at DeMatha, Steve Turner uh, at Gonzaga, Pat Bean over at St. John's, are a few a few names of our league that I'm just uh, very appreciative to be with them. Uh, get a chance to kind of. Uh, go to go to go to battle with them on the court, but also be friends off the court and, and again, like I said, we all know what we go through. Um so our league is fantastic, have had amazing players, a lot of them uh um, uh that move on to the, the high levels in in college. We, if you watch a big east ACC um uh, Big Ten, you're you're watching some former WCAC players for sure and then obviously some uh make that make it to the NBA as well.
0: Yeah uh coach Pete now we're talking about yeah, the really, yeah
2: go ahead go ahead pete that league is probably the most recruited league or in that area and maybe the nation would you say that yeah i agree with you on that i mean even just uh like even for our fall
1: workouts we would typically have uh 100 college coaches come on through uh so you're, you're talking you know from from low yeah. to high uh, all the way through we we might have a open gym run on a uh a random uh, september night and we'd have 20 college coaches in there so so yeah, we there, there's a lot of kids that uh, um, you know come to our league. Just that's the that's the reason they want to get ready and prepared for college and, and be seen and have the exposure. And, and fortunately, with our um, with just the depth of our league, I think one year I remember when I uh, when I first started, uh, we were a little bit down uh, in the in the bottom of the rankings, and I think we were uh, maybe seventh that year. And we looked at just teams seven through ten. And in that fifteen future Division One players were on those rosters, uh, even so, sort of, you know, even at the bottom wow. part of the, the league. So, so yeah, it's just, it's just it's just chock full of great talent, and uh, obviously that attracts a lot of the college coaches. They want they want players that have, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? And and I think uh, that they re- recognize that, and they um, they want to recruit our players. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, sir. Talk about. Listen, when I was having a. Go
2: ahead,
0: Pete. Uh, um. I was going to ask him about his great point guard that he has that is already signed with Duke, correct?
1: Yeah, Jeremy Roach. Sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, talk about him and talk about – I've done some research on him. He's put a lot of time into his game. You just don't all of a sudden become a great player. Talk about what you guys are doing to help develop his skills.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm actually going to go back to his freshman year. Uh, When he came in, we had a senior point guard by the name of Aaron Thompson, who's now the starting point guard at Butler. And what we've been very fortunate with is having just older players really understand their role of helping develop the younger players. Uh, and, and so Jeremy came in and had to learn to play with the ball and without the ball. And I think that's a really key aspect these days that we talk about point guards, guards in general, but for sure point guards, is learn to play off the ball as well. Uh, if you're just that kid that was just is so used to dominating the ball or having the ball in their hands uh, and you don't learn how to play without it in this game, the way it's being played right now you got to be able to do both. And I thought Jeremy's uh, uh, being able to have Aaron as a, as a mentor uh, as a senior leader to show him the ropes a little bit. Uh, we also had a player by the name of Anthony Harris on that squad, who's now at the North Carolina uh, and, uh, and, and, and a guard uh, wing uh, by the name of Brandon Slater, who's now at Villanova. And so the older guys really helped the younger guys. And as just as Jeremy has with Trevor Keels now, who Trevor's now a senior force and he's down to uh, picking between uh uh, Duke UVA and Villanova. And then I have a junior point guard right now that, being uh, has been heavily recruited with, uh, um, that's, uh, he's a fantastic Doug McDaniel. So we've been able to kind of just stockpile some guards that, uh, that understand how to play with others. Uh, and they want to be part of this, this machine that we have going as far as the, the, the our style of playing going back to Jeremy and you're asking them about how it is that we did it. You got to have a great family first. That family is fantastic. Those parents understand that the kids are work in progress. He's got a lot of work to, uh, in front of them. And I think what we're finding out these days is the best really do have that understanding these days of, of how much work they have in front of them and, and what their goals and dreams are, and they haven't reached them yet. So Jeremy was uh, just a hard worker. You know, he went through an ACL injury as a junior, uh, but just every year he kind of added to his game, uh, just cares about winning. Uh, I can tell you a lot of stories. So if, if you if – you, uh, just because – just even from he, when he had his ACL injury – 20 minutes later, we got the phone call, we had a scrimmage going on that day, and I got off the phone, you know, tears in all the players' eyes, they, they're devastated, this is before his junior year, right before uh, the season started, and uh, so I said, all right, I'll, I'll talk to you later, I'll check in with you after the scrimmage, and he said, coach, what are you talking about, I'm going to be there in 20 minutes, and I'm like, what, like, you know, this is just scrimmage, man, You've he's you, you like, no coach, this is my team, I'm going there to support my teammates, and that's just the kind of kid uh, that, uh, that Jeremy is, so uh, But just a high character kid, knows how to play, understands what it is to to run a team, uh, knows when to uh, look for his opportunities, makes the right play, doesn't try to do too much, uh, can play with other great players. And that's one of the things we challenge all our guys. You got to learn how to play with other great players because when you get to the Dukes of the world, uh, the Villanovas of the world, the North Carolinas of the world, you're going to be playing with other great players. So you got to know how to play with those guys. And uh, I think our guys do a fantastic job of kind of fitting in instead of trying to stand out.
0: Yes, sir. I mean, and and I know that you're going to play for Villanova, Jay Wright. And you're going to play for Coach K at Duke. Talk about great guards that have come through that school. You better be well prepared. Uh, and how are you doing? How do you prepare your players mentally to play at the next level? Because a lot of times we think, you know, you know, we're just focusing on our season. You have to prepare kids for the next level. How do you do
1: that? Yeah, you talk about it from day one. You know, uh, one of the things I always say to the kids, well, first off, is is I can't wait to watch them fail. And they kind of look at me, what are you talking about, coach? And I say, well, you know, that's when we find out about, about you, you know, what kind of adjustments you can make. This is a tough sport. So we start talking about college as soon as they they, they decide to come to Paul and, VI. And because what I want for every single player that plays for me is to have that dream of playing in college. And I said, look, You know, I want to know what your goals and dreams are. I want them to be for the next level. I don't want them to be to play for Glenn Farello and play on Tuesdays and Friday nights and try to win us some games. We got to set higher expectations, higher goals. And when you have that, when you have them, your mindset on what do I need to do to become accomplished enough to be able to perform at the next level and get that opportunity to get a, a college scholarship that changes generations and families that have people have opportunities to do so. Uh, if you know that that's what it is that you're working towards every single day and you as a coach constantly remind them of the steps that are necessary to get there, you know, um, I think that's a really important piece of what we do. That mental side of what you just talked about is something that we talk about all the time of not just trying to prepare and win a game on, uh, a, on a Tuesday in December. It's what are we doing on a daily pr- basis to get you prepared for that next level and what is it going to take? And uh, so if you have that in a 14- in a to 18-year-old's mind at all times, they will rise to the occasion. Now, if you let them to be 14- 18-year-olds and only worry about tomorrow, they'll only worry about tomorrow. But they do have the mind – they have the ability to expand their minds to say, okay, hold on. What am I doing right now? Is it benefiting myself uh, and me for my future? Um, and the competitive if – you, if you're able to draw out the competitive spirit and the competitive juices in a, in a player at that age, it, it'll, all come, it'll all come together for them.
0: Yeah, Coach Pete, do you have a question for Glenn? Because coach, uh, also coach at the college level, talk about do you have a question for him as far as preparing players for the next level. He has some great high school teams. Do you have a question for Glenn?
2: Yeah, what you just said I think is an incredible coaching point, and I wish that probably I had used it uh, more. It's that big picture that – I don't like to say that you hold over their head, but you can always ask the question, do you think this is going to get you ready for the next level? And that's a great goal. In fact, probably every high school basketball coach, because like I said, every kid wants to go and play college basketball. And instead of blasting with negativity, uh, are you willing to do the work to get to the next level? You're going to college. When I was a principal, I used to always tell our kids now, if you're not planning on going to college, you don't want to come to our school because it's all about that. And the basketball should be the same way. They might not make it, but at least they've done the work that'll get them there. And that I'm big on using phrases. And when you set that big goal for them like that, are you preparing to play at the college level? Is this going to take you to Duke University, this kind of work? And that's all you got to say. Keep that over their head. Just so you don't think I'm senile, I was talking about Sonny Allen while ago on the fast oh, break. Do you remember Sonny? Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yep. At Old Dominion, yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's one of my, but I ran up on him at a clinic years and years ago. And uh, he's one of the nicest guys that has ever breathed a breath. And he just shared everything with me. I remember asking because I was a big man-to-man press guy, you know. And I, and I just started out, and I asked Sonny, I said, well, Sonny, I know you all play man-to-man defense. He says, well, we do once in a while, but we never practice it. And I said, what are you talking about, Coach? He says, no, we, we went to it in a game about three games ago. We were down about ten, and we won. But we just get in the zone and run our break. And that just blew me away. I, I just couldn't believe it could be that simple, you know. But that, uh, I, I think that number break. And you mentioned Prince George. A moment ago. Is, yeah. Are they close to you? Prince George's County, in yes. Virginia Beach. Oh no 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 Prince well, George's County in in Maryland. I found out in Maryland. Okay. I was talking about this is in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Oh yeah. Well, no, there's a lot of so talent down, down there too. One, but, yeah. No question. Yeah yeah, yeah. The
1: Prince George's County in uh uh in in Maryland uh is is where is where I started out my yeah. my coaching
2: career. Great. Well, what do you think is the three or four most important things that you do every day in practice that you emphasize because i don't think it matters a lot what you know it's what you emphasize that really counts i, I agree with and you so much one of that. those things that you could like if you you could uh, you only had four or five drills to run what would they be? Oh, okay. That's a great question too. I, I and I do
1: love the emphasis uh, of what is that you emphasis on a daily basis. So the way we, our style, the way we play is, we're going to run. We're we're known as one of the fastest teams in the country. Um, and and you can't just do that, you know, by just doing drills, you know, or you just got you, you got to have uh, yeah. an emphasis on it, obviously. So we we kind if you came to my practice, you'd hear me. You say, go 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 go. Um, I love to do some up-tempo drills um, the, uh, to get us going, uh, uh, so just full court. It might be something as simple as in our league we have a shot clock, but we might go to a 14-second shot clock and play in scrimmage with a 14-second shot clock to get them used to getting up and down and making plays in transition at a, at a high pace. I love our I love our advantage break drill, two-on-one, three-on-two, four-on-three, five-on-four, five-on-five. We, we do that a lot uh, for us to, to be able to get ourselves uh, just used to playing in – in, in chaos and, and, and advantage breaks and, and trying to take advantage of them and trying to recover. So just, just being able to discuss all of that with our guys. Uh, one of my favorite is a, is a simple two on two drill that we do that uh, is a full court two on two drill um, with an advantage. So it, it just develops into um, uh, a three on two, you know, you're bringing someone in from the sideline into the half court touching and now they're chasing the play down, but it turns into this like uh, full court, drill that the kids just are trying to get uh, uh, deflections they're flying around in the half court and you're trying to uh, work on recovering and the kids love that kind of intensity and, and competitiveness uh, I think you have to have some sort of form of shell drill every single day uh, whether and you have to mix it up a little bit it might be just the four on four standard we really work a lot on pink touches I know I've been a lot of calls lately and a lot of people are asking like what stats what are your favorite stats to keep and I said the very first thing that I always want to do when I walk in at, at halftime is I want to know how many paint touches we had and how many paint touches the uh, the opposing team had. It shows some toughness on our side on the defensive end, and it shows some toughness on the offensive end. They'd be tough enough to go and get some paint touches, getting, getting into the lane and creating some opportunities. So a lot of times with our, our shell drill, we'll count you know uh, paint touches as one point. Uh, so you can win a, you know you can win a little uh, a contest with that uh, with in that way um, and then we sometimes will do four on three with that just to scramble and a little bit more. But I, I think every day there's got to be some sort of shell drill competition for the kids to really lock in and understand how to fly around, contest, and move. Um, if I had a, a, every single day, you, you, gotta, you have to uh, scrimmage. Uh, uh, you have to have, like, uh, pieces of, of scrimmaging within everything that you do. So, for us, we, have a, we try to be versatile. So, for example, we'll, we'll start the, a game at uh, 60 to 60. And 60-60, uh, to 60, and we'll put two minutes on the clock. That clock starts when it hits 66. But when it's 60-60, to 60, we're say we're working on our man stuff, or maybe we're doing our zone, or maybe it's some sort of our full court presser. Um, but when someone hits 66, now the clock starts running. So now it's a time and score situation. So it could be 66-60, it could be 66-65. And then we let the kids play, and they have to make all the decisions. One thing about time and score that uh, I, I feel like that has been successful for us is We don't coach the time and score as we used to because what I found out is when I had maybe even having two assistant coaches doing it, the kids will do you, do tell you, they'll do what you tell them to do. They're, they're, they're locked in and saying, coach, I will execute whatever you tell them to do in a time and score situation. But then you find out they don't know why they're doing it. And so I, so instead of just them doing what we're telling them to, they're going to need to learn how to do and why we let me, we make them coach themselves in those time and score situations. And then we can talk about it afterwards. And it will just bring everybody together and have like a, you know some teaching points out of that. Um, so that that's something that's been very successful for us and been a lot of fun for the kids. You know they're all of a sudden like they're they're playing zone when they're you know when they're 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 down three and um, there's not enough time left and you're like why are you doing that? You know what, what what are we doing here? What what's your answer of why it is that you guys decided to run that or run this play? Why did you run this play when uh, it probably would have made more sense to to run something uh, different from our playbook? And so you get them thinking, and then all of a sudden we have those some, some corrective things that we can do in practice And yeah. now we're getting a game, and they already have an idea of what they think they should do because you've given them that freedom, that ownership. Um, and then actually, the, speaking of that ownership, one of my favorite things is uh, we have a little piece of practice now that we just call uh, work on your craft. And it gives them 10 minutes to do whatever they want, whatever they want to work on. They can grab an assistant coach. They can grab a partner. But it allows me to watch what it is that they like to work on And we script so much for them these days as coaches from the time they walk in a gym uh, until they leave out that they don't have the the enjoyment of just being lost in the moment of working on something they love and doing something. Now, all of a sudden, I can see a kid working on his floater. So now he's been working on his floater. We may not have done it in part of our drill work at all, but it's important to him. So now all of a sudden, he's executing during a game and he's he's knocking down the floater. I'm like, hey, you work on your craft. That's what you did the other day. You hit 50 of those or, you know, and it's, it's just, it's a fun thing to do to kind of give them ownership of part of their, their own practice. Um, And then uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other, there's obviously all uh, all sorts of drills, but going back to the emphasis, I think it's uh, so important uh, for us to kind of just constantly emphasize shot selection. So our kids don't, you know, we have, we we call the four S's of offense, right? And the four S's, the first one sprint uh, because we do like the run so much. Uh, number two is spacing uh, number three is a swing as in just moving the ball from side to side uh, get, get, a, get some uh, ball reversals and four and the most important one is shot selection and that shot selection thing it becomes a big deal to us because we play in such an open style and we're constantly attacking That you got to learn what's a good shot and what a bad shot is uh, you know and, and because like we talked about a little bit earlier we have so many talented players we don't have just this guy has all the shots we got to find ways to kind of get everyone incorporated so they have to figure it out themselves, who it is, uh, when it's my turn. You know, I, don't, I hate the, it's my turn to shoot, it's your turn, you know, his turn, and then that's how you play. So let's make sure we're making the right decisions. And so shot selection becomes a very big deal that I talk about all the time. And I'll stop a, a drill, I'll stop a, a scrimmage, and I'll just, or even film study, and I'll ask one of my older players going, hey, is this a good shot? Are you okay with so-and-so taking this shot? Hey, would you like to explain to him why that's a bad shot? Um, because I think the more peer pressure that they have for each other and, and holding each other accountable for their shot selection and not just, oh, coach is getting on me, it's more of, hey, I'm just speaking. I'll say this all the time. I'm just speaking for all of us right now. I'm not just speaking for Glenn Farello as a coach. I'm speaking for all your teammates that aren't going to say anything to you right now because they're not happy that you took that really bad shot, that we could have gotten a better shot. Um, uh, and so as time evolves, your older players will actually take care of it before you even say anything. And now all of a sudden, like, the guys are making sure and self-cleasing shot selection. And I think that's one of the best things that the, that, that we can do as a, as a coaching staff is to get the kids to understand when and when not to. Yeah,
0: Coach, Coach Glenn, I mean, you, you mentioned some great points, which I really love, um, the difference between structure and freedom. Yep. And I'm a big believer, and Pete knows this, that we play a wide-open style, and I think sometimes – kids nowadays you know like right now our girls are playing in a fall league everything's structured referees we got to get in more and we played an we did an open gym today where i just let the girls play and they figured things out
1: that's neglected in today's culture right it is i'll tell you what the 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 sport of basketball was not created for coaches it was created for players
0: right they don't
1: need us in there to be able to play the game and if you have the right kind of players uh, and we've all played a game, obviously, on our own, played pickup and whatnot, and growing up, uh, we don't need to have a coach on the sideline to tell us what to do. Now, I say we're there to help the, the, whole, uh, the, the whole process. But because the game is such a beautiful thing and, and it's a free-flowing thing, I don't want to make them robots. I, I want to make sure that we don't over-coach our guys. So we're giving them the right tools to understand what we're expecting and, and how to do it. And it's almost, again, we're speaking for the 15, like all of them, to say, here's how we want to play. We all agree that this is what we want to do, not just, hey, Glenn for thinks this is the right way to win. I need to have everyone have that ownership of why we're doing what we're doing, and when you do that, when you give them that structure or give them that freedom within that structure, um, I think this is where things can just blossom, and they all get better. You talked about our development and how we develop our players and why we get so many players to the next level, and I think it's because of that. We do not make them robots. We do not just say this is all we're going to box you in. We're going to let them kind of explore – I have a, a kind of a joke with my guys. We've always been a very good defensive team, fortunately. And, and, uh, and so one of the things you've got to do in order to play for Coach Ferrello is you got to play defense. That's the mo- number one most important thing. and I can always ask the players, so so what do you think the, number, the second most important thing is? And they give some great answers, right? And I'm always like, no, the second most important thing is play defense. I go, <laughs> oh, are you going right. to do what the third most important <laughs> thing is? And they're like, defense? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I say, if you do those three things, I give you freedom offensively. And so what happens is, and you brought up Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach is one of the best defenders in the country. And he'll tell his younger teammates, look, you're not going to get freedom. The man's going to give you freedom, but you got to defend. you got to defend for us first. And then he'll give you some freedom. And when they feel like they have freedom, those shots fall. They don't take that shot and all of a sudden look at the bench because, oh, I'm worried. Did I do the right thing? You know, am I, am I, how am I handling it? I want you to be in attack mode i want you to have freedom and when, when you know and as we all know what with freedom comes some responsibility though too and so they really kind of figured it out but i think it's such an important concept to allow to have some free free flowing offense to get kids into a rhythm because basketball is all about rhythm when it comes to scoring the ball and when you give them that kind of confidence we have a kind of a, a, a saying in our program we're a 10-0 run waiting to happen and uh and it was never better shown last, this past year we were up at archbishop wood we played a seven-overtime game, guys, and it, uh, we won 130 to 128.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, 130 to 128, <laughs> and we were at their place, and we were Ooh. down 15. <laughs> we were down 15 with five minutes That's left. That's great. Right. Yep, up in Philly, and so we called it, like, it was Philly versus uh, – 15 versus Philly, and, uh, and so our 15 guys came together in that gym and down 15 and no shot clock, and we walked them down and won that game, but it was great when you hear – you know, uh, your point guard tell his teammates, "Guys, we're a 10-0, run waiting to happen. Let's go!" And then we walked him down, tied it, at, <laughs> tied it at the buzzer, and, and went on to win in seven overtimes. But it's that mentality. Once you get that, get them to understand that attacking mentality and that freedom to play. They're not worried about the scoreboard. We're going to find a way to win.
0: Glenn, can you so talk about can you talk about how do you build Pete Aycock, is probably one of the best. He's taught me more about man-to-man defense than any other coach. Talk about how do you build your man-to-man defense, and Pete, if you got you going to interject questions for him, uh, talk about how you're building. And maybe you're a zone team.
1: How do you build your defense? Yeah. So, so I've always been a pressure guy. So I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> I just want to make one comment. You made a comment while well ago about how you've got to get get the players to the place where they run the game one Mm -hmm. of the phrases i remember when i started using it the point guard would look over at me and i remember one time i looked at him and i said what are you looking at don't look over here at me you're the point guard yeah and you know i didn't have to do that too many times and it almost was like flipping a switch he's like i gotta run this thing you know and that but that that fits in with that initial goal you had uh, we're preparing you to play at the college level. Yeah. You see, that all goes into that. And I think that's just all fits just like that. And that's all I've pretty much ever done is play pressure, man, run, and jump defense.
1: Oh, man. So you, we can talk forever about this because that's, that's, that, that's something near and dear to my heart as far as just pressure defense, deflections, floor dies, back taps. Like, let's get after it in so many different ways. Just put pressure on on the opponent. Um, and, and we truly do love that, and, and we'll throw different things at it too. We'll throw a, um, a three-quarter court one-two-two. Two. We have our three-quarter court two-one-two. Two. We'll mix that up. We'll go full court into a, a in the diamond. Um, and, and, and in fact, one of the things that I love to kind of share too is anytime we score layup, anytime we have a dunk, we're automatically in a breakaway. We're automatically into a one-two-one-one. One, one. Let's go. Let's try to get it. Let's make it. Let's make it a four-zero run because a lot of times people will relax. Um, but it's, it's, uh, and we'll do a lot of scramble defense and, you know, George, uh, Jim Laranega, Coach L's like thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, so just, uh, all that scramble. We love doing that and we love putting pressure on the other, the opponent and, and getting our guys to, to get ready to rotate. But I'm also not afraid to, to just, uh, sit back in a two, three zone or, or this, this uh, two years ago, uh, you mentioned, a uh, Coach Wood and we played O'Connell. We've just lost our two starting point guards. Uh, our two best players, uh, Jeremy Roach, who's now at Duke, and Anthony Harris, who's now at North Carolina. They both went out with ACL injuries every uh, at the beginning of the season. And uh, so we, our next game was against our rival in their gym, sold-out crowd. We're down 20 uh, – we're down 20 – we uh, 20, 22 points. That's what it is, 22 points in the third quarter. And I went to a 1-2-2 zone. And uh, we outscored them the rest of the way, 31-6. to uh and we had to swallow our pride we couldn't do our run and jump we couldn't do our pressure it wasn't working uh we decided to go to a one-two-two zone because you know the old Ripetino statement of like hey my zone doesn't have to be great my zone just my zone defense just has to be better than your zone offense and that night it was and that's a good example of of we're not afraid to do whatever it takes to find a way to win so we will we will mix it up we i, I like to be very versatile we'll play some zone if we need to uh half court man might be just the smartest thing to do sometimes but we like to kind of crank it up a little bit too and and get after people um and i think the way we build that defense is is understanding giving the kids um uh that understanding that we will be versatile that that there's so many different principles that are the same um and i think uh three on three basketball i think is one of the things that i've started using so much more over the last couple years two on two and three on three to kind of build yeah, in in, uh, in my earlier years, I, I didn't do a whole lot of two on two and three on three. I think you had to kind of figure out your team. To, you know, will it build into it? You know, sometimes drill work works, and then it, it does uh, move into five on five. Other times it doesn't. So let's just work on five on five. I think you have to kind of figure out your team and figure out you know what what they're made of that year and what your comfort level is. But I think in building the the, the, the principles of it all, um, I think I really like to do a lot of two on two and three on three breakdown or that four on four shell drill that we talked about earlier. A lot of, it's, it's always interesting. My players love shell drill. Like, if you ask them what you want to work on today, coach, we got to get some shell drill in. Like, so, when I get a little frustrated when I hear people don't work on shell, you know, I'm like, or, or, they, or kids don't like to do it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, our guys love it. They, they compete. They get after each other. Like, you know, and so, um, but I think that, I think you just have to, with your defense, it goes back to what you said, the emphasis of things, right? Like, we don't do a lot of rebounding drills, yeah. but we're a great rebounding team. But we emphasize it in every drill. And we find a way to get these guys motivated and inspired to, like, let's play defense. Let's play for each other. Uh, not because, again, coaches on the sideline say this is what we have to do. It's because you buy into each other and you got each other's backs. And that mentality will carry over. And then, honestly, I think the best thing that we can do for our kids, uh, especially to get them prepared for the next level, is film breakdown. And just constantly show them. I mean, it, it might take us two hours to go through uh, a half, uh, half of a game because I'm going to constantly rewind and show all the defensive mistakes in the rotations and what we're doing wrong and, and how it is that you're letting your teammates down. Yeah, I know you scored 20, but look what you're doing here. Do you think that's fair to your teammates that you're not doing your job when you're so capable and you're so talented that you're telling me you can't rotate and help the helper? And it's constantly showing them those concepts. And then uh, from a defensive standpoint, because ball screens are so prevalent nowadays in high school, right, it's trickled down from, uh, from the NBA college now to us uh, a lot over the last few years, you got to spend a lot of time on, on ball screen coverages and understanding rotations out of that, not just within it, but also off.
0: Coach, how do you play against the best teams? That, that, and I, 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 I always try to build my defense so I can beat the best teams. I'm sure you're trying to do. What are some things that, number one, are you guys trying to work on maybe coming up this season that you found were weaknesses last year. What are you trying to do to beat the best teams defensively?
1: Yes, I think that's a fantastic question. Uh, And and the old saying is every every single day in practice, you should be practicing to beat the best team or best player that you're going to go against and and try to simulate that as much as possible. Okay, so there's a couple different things the way I look at it. One is the reason that we press, I feel, and and, and play so fast and, and do a lot of trapping and running and jumping, uh, one of the reasons is that I know that when you're playing against a uh, a team that is uh, a little bit maybe less talented than you, maybe uh, the second part of your league or a team that's maybe not uh, you know outstanding, um, that you should be able to create more opportunities because of that and win because of those turnovers you create and, and the the quicker. Because if you're playing against a team that's mediocre, uh, maybe not up to you to to where you are, uh, maybe as you walk into this game. The way they're going to beat you is if they're going to hit a lot of threes, they're going to probably uh, uh, get some, too, many, too, too many easy opportunities, but there's not going to be as many possessions. If there's more possessions in a game, the better team is going to have more opportunities to, to show out. So I like to pressure and go after people that way. I may not press DeMatha, for example. I'm not, I may have to go at them like that because they're going to be able to break up pressure and they're dunking on the other end and they got a six six six, ten, seven footer back there at the end of the break. So we ha- we're going to have to be uh, uh, smarter than that as far as how it is that we're going to approach that. So when we try to play the best teams, we, you know, we played IMG this past year. We played uh, uh, Sierra Canyon, right? Uh, two teams that are ranked in the top three in the country. And you have to understand that uh, they have great talent. They have great players. So they're going to score. They're go- we just have to make, uh, make, make it harder for them to do so. And then everyone's got to help make sure they rotate down. So you got to get out to the shooters. You've got to know personnel. So you're constantly, I guess, practicing. And understanding that you are, uh, you know, you can't give up that. So you know, go back to your shell drill principles, right? So you leave open a kid that's uh, a junior coming off the bench, uh, and he hits a three because well, I'm playing him, and well, I'm not so. No, you can't play that way. You're playing as if you're playing against Sierra Canyon, and that kid's going to knock down that three against you. So it's it's more getting them to understand that you're you're playing um, not the personnel in front of you, but the personnel that you're going to play against. So uh, conceptually. Um, you have to within your practice plans uh, develop some of the ideas. So again, if you're playing against some bigs, we don't have a lot of uh, six ten kids, but we're going to play against a bunch of six ten kids. So how are you practicing every single day? Are you front and post? Are you coming over and help? And you have to give them all the different things that you're going to do. So our ball screens, yeah, we're going to be a, we're going to hard hedge and you know, recover. We're going to work on that uh, a lot. But when we're playing against these better teams, we might want to switch or we might want to um, a blitz. So you have to practice those. You have to give them the the versatility to whatever you're doing. So when you get into that game against the better teams, you've already worked on everything that's possible. You can't be stuck on this is the only way we're doing things. And the more reps you have, the more confidence the kids are going to have into being able to do anything. You have to know your base sets, and that should take care of a lot of it. But when you play against those better teams, you may be able to have to throw that wrinkle in that we're doubling down in the post that you haven't done for five games. But you need to know your rotations out of that double down and where it's coming from and why you're doing it. I think if you if you really kind of work on that on a daily basis and throw in those and mix those things in, uh, I think that the kids are going to be more successful when they do see um, a very talented player, Or maybe you're trying to say, okay, we're going to get the ball out of this kid's hands. You haven't done that for four get four games or or two weeks, but now you're playing this high level guard. How are we going to get the ball out of his hands? So maybe you're going to run and jump this kid. But you got to practice it in practice, right? You know, in those moments to say we might see this in a couple of weeks. So it goes back to that long play coach, We're not just trying to we're trying to build for the, for the future for college but also we, even within the season we got to know and hey in a couple of weeks we're going to be seeing this and we're not going to just do a scout the day before and put this in and try to execute it. So I, I learned a long time ago too within that shell drill principles is try to come up with all the different things. One of the things that I was lacking with my some of my shell drill is I wasn't putting a screening action in it so all of a sudden we're just playing, doing we're playing spaced basketball and we're working on dribble drive and we're working on containing the dribble and rotating out of that but then we got into playing some games against some teams that were really great at screen. And then we we're having trouble because, well, I haven't been working on it. I haven't been working on how it is to, 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 to fight through or, or, or go under, or, uh, you know, and our guys are melting into these screens. And it's like, man, it's my fault. I haven't been working on this as a daily thing to prepare them for this. When we do see it, even though not a lot of people set a lot of uh, screens. anymore.
0: Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate the insight. Coach Pete, you have a question for, uh, for Glenn in regarding the, kind of the insides of his defense.
2: Well, first of all, defense is more, to me, about attitude than is anything else. It reveals who you are. And you have to earn the right. And I think that even if you don't play man-to-man defense in most games, you have to teach it. Yeah. Because you'll never have a good defense, zone defense, it won't be any better than your man defense, I don't think. But I remember one of the things when I finally told my kids one time, I said, look, this is the way it's going to be. The five best defensive players, and rebounding is part of defense, five best defensive players are going to start every game. And if you don't back away from that, your best five players will be your five best defensive players. And um, that that just always really, really helped me. Just And once they buy into it, they know who's going to play. The ones that defend. You know,
1: I amen to that, and I and I think that uh, when you when you set those expectations on the defensive end uh, for them, and you follow through on it too, you know, with with them seeing some of our better defenders who may not be able to score the ball as much, but you give them more of an opportunity just because you just trust it so much. We, we the kids even know it. If 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 we say we send someone to the the scores table to sub in for someone, and someone takes a takes a charge that kid's probably coming back and sitting down because that kid just extended his uh, shelf life out on the basketball court for a little bit longer, you know, because he he gave his body up and, and, and took a charge <laughs> for his team. So I think little things like that kind of add up, uh, and, and, and it really does. And so I actually have always had a saying kind of similar to you, but just I'm going to play my best defender. I'm going to play my best rebounder. I'm going to play my best passer, and I'm going to play my best uh, ball handler. I'm going to play my best score. I will play my best score. I'm going to be honest with you all. So I've had some players that could really score the ball. Yeah. and they, they weren't great defensively. I mean, you're lucky you can really score the ball right now. I said, if this guy <laughs> over here can start scoring the ball as well as you, you're at the same You're going to be sitting. But, but right now, you can score the ball. So I'm going to let you keep playing. Um, but I think it, but when, when the kids start demanding, demanding of each other in that defensive thing, like in that just that mentality, like that's when you know you have a great team is when they demand of each other on the defensive end, not just worry about what's going on in the offense. Sure. Um, yeah.
2: well yeah you're going to get the effort anyway that way when you you do and it it changes everything once they understand we're about defense that's what we're about yeah and uh, it'll take you a long way and another thing if you play great pressure defense a mediocre team will never beat you they don't you know these people won't slip up on you uh because they can't they can't handle the pressure and if you can get through a season you beat all the teams you're supposed to beat and then you kind of split or have a little edge on the other teams, you're still in pretty good shape. But I think it just makes it, you can play slow. Uh, Kevin can tell you about a guy. We know Glenn Durden. He's won 10, uh, eight straight state championships, but they know how to grind. Don't they, Kevin? They, do. they not only run, they press after it misses, but they can grind. They can get in that zone, that, that Virginia defense, they play it to perfection. And, uh, it's not either or sometimes it's a both and and sometimes you have to say well the best five defensive players are going to start but maybe once in a while there's that guy <laughs> you got to have him on the floor
1: oh yeah yeah, Call that's, reality,
2: really. yeah, I
1: guess. yeah that's right that's right but you got to be really special <laughs> that's, like that's yeah, yeah you got to be really special <laughs> that, that kid by the way i'm talking about went to kentucky scored 30 yeah. a game for us so like you know, I, I actually used to joke with his teammates. Says if I could figure out a way for Darnell to pass himself the ball, I'd do that. Uh, but uh, right now, sometimes he has to pass the ball to you. So how about you get it back to him,
0: Coach? Um, hey, can we move? On? Hey, I know, uh, I know you got to got to be going pretty soon. I know it's late for you, but um, hey, we really appreciate kind of picking your brain on what you do in your program. And I wanna, I wanna ask you about offense. Um, sure. I. I I don't know if I'm an offense or defensive coach, but I think I I teach more offense and I believe in the wide open game, and that is spread people out, drive and kick. Now, this year I'm adding ball screens to our attack because girls' teams don't they don't defend it very well. I'm not afraid to change. But I think kids, I think there should be more freedom on offense. What's your philosophy?
1: Okay, so uh, you said something that's really important, I, and I, I watch the girls' game a lot, and I do agree with you that I think ball screens in the girls' game uh, is something that if I was coaching girls, that's exactly – I would put so much more in that because uh, of, uh, again, the execution of it on the offensive side doesn't have to – it just has to be better than the defensive uh, uh, execution, and the defense, on the defensive side, you see a lot of confusion. You don't – I'm not sure how much is, is – uh, Uh, because I don't think it's just been that prevalent, right? I mean, even in our game a few years ago, we weren't doing a whole lot of ball screens at the high school level, so the kids really weren't good defensively.
0: This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about
3: partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail.
0: Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools
3: and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Hi, this is Kurt Gilsner of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast. i Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is is always hungry to learn. And you can sense that in his podcast. And so again, I can't recommend it highly enough championship vision podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work.
1: Because they hadn't seen it enough. Now at our high level where we, we see so much of it that the kids are really getting good defensively and how to guard it. So we're able to, um, uh, do a better job, I think, of teaching it because the the kids are doing it more and they have the repetitions of it. Does that make sense? So uh, as the girls' game gets used to more and more ball screens, I think it's I think it's a great utilization, especially when you have some half court sets to be uh, to be executed. Uh, Here's fun- fundamentally from an offensive standpoint: we are going to run. I don't believe in secondary breaks because if you if you run secondary, you're never going to have your primary. The kids will not run for layups; they will not run and attack the rim because they'll settle good and go into the set- secondaries. Um, because it's easier for them. So you have to constantly uh, put pressure on my guys to run their lanes, get space. Let's play four out, one in basketball, maybe five out. And, and let's see if we can do it that way and, and, and just be in attack mode. Um, and then we're going to flow into some things. I believe in dribble handoffs. I believe in some dribble handoffs into ball screens. But uh, our we went into a ball screen motion a couple years ago. So we have a four out one in that we've always been successful with, you know, working the slots, corners, and then have someone, maybe a post player, but also just someone, within the post area. And uh, very successful with that, with our driving space, uh, as we call it, uh, driving space, uh, being in attack mode, get those paint touches and get some movement. Um, But you also have to be able to incorporate other things. So then we have what we call our need plays, and those are our stationary stand uh, plays. And we just went to a horn set, we went to a ball screen motion. So now dead ball coming out, we're running some sort of thing out of a ball screen motion uh, uh, horn set because it keeps everyone high. Uh, It makes our six, eight players or six, six players, as post players they're not down in the block they're not bringing uh, x5 into the into the uh, equation so now we're just a little bit further out and we can do a, a lot of different things and be more versatile that way so i believe in the horn horn sets and and ball screen motion out of it and then from that we're going to run some set plays out of it depending on what we want and we're going to our ball screen uh, ball screens with our point guards so we have three outstanding players this past year that can are, are, are great with ball screens Jeremy Rush is now at Duke, as mentioned. Trevor Keels, who's now a senior, and Doug McDaniel. So three of the best guards in the country. So I got to develop a lot of different things that I can use them in different ways in the ball screens, but not just static ball screens. I don't, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta have some doubles. You gotta, um, you gotta have some side ball screens. We we believe in, in some alley screens. So you're 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 setting that screen going towards the baseline. You gotta give them different ways. And when you're doing those ball screens, uh, uh, I think you have to make sure you teach your bigs how to sit those screens, um, how to rescreen, right? A lot of times it depends on what the defense is doing. So now you got to teach them, you know, how are they playing, uh, pl- how, how's the defense playing you, and then give different options within that ball screen. Uh, instead of it just being, okay, you're here and you're coming off this way, well, let's, let's read it all. And so maybe the rescreen, re-screen is the best thing uh, to do in that situation. Or side ball screen, maybe you're going to refuse it. So it's, it's a lot of just teaching how to read those ball screens, going back to what we talked about, that freedom. Give them the opportunity to read what's going on. And then we can change angles on the ball screens and just have those kids learn on the fly so that they can kind of figure some stuff out. So we can run the same play four times and it can look four different ways based on how you're playing the ball screen sets. Um, but I think it's really important then to be able to read, okay, are, are we getting stagnant in our ball screens? Okay, so now let's get some motion going. or, or, or uh, So I, I feel like in our repertoire, we've got to have enough different types of, of sets to be able to throw out there. Um, to uh, give our guys a chance. And if, you, and if you have enough, again, you don't have to have, uh, you know, 20 different plays, 20 different sets. We probably, even, we probably even do, but they have to be simplistic enough and kind of – and then kids understand why we're running this set now because we're going to be able to take advantage of something. One of the things this past year, we had a playoff game, and we went to, against a zone we have a struggle. We and I think – I believe in zone offensive sets, by the way. I don't believe in just running a motion zone offense. I think you need to have a set, play, set plays out of it, and I want to screen zones. I think a lot of zones become – the reason people run zones is now all of a sudden the zone offense becomes very stagnant. Everyone stands around. And when you're hitting shots, it's a different story. We don't even have to have this conversation, right? You don't even have to run a play if everyone's hitting shots. But how can you create some opportunities? So we just went to our four-out, one-in man offense, got a full ball reversal, had a side-gap drive, and we, we actually scored six straight points by getting the ball back into our point guard's hands in the corner, being able to attack. And it was a very simplistic thing, but it was something that we were able to all read as a as a squad, as a team. And then we were able to kind of pick them apart, taking one of our man offenses and and kind of applying it to a, a zone. So I think being able to read that and having the the versatility uh with what you have and not be set in your head, head is like oh, this is this is our system. This is the only thing we do. How can you keep tweaking? You know, by the end of the year I've got probably 10 more in the Rolodex that we didn't even start out the season with, but we figured out over the year how it is that we were able to maybe execute. Like, uh, uh, you know, we we all of a sudden have Trevor Keels, who's a a big guard, and he's in the ball screen with Jeremy, right? Now, you know, we didn't do that earlier in the year, but now all of a sudden that's causing fits for the other team because they don't know how to handle it, and they haven't seen that before. Uh, A lot of different things offensively that I think you can do. Um, But uh, as I think I mentioned to you earlier today, I always caution everybody on this so we can overthink it as coaches too. And I, and I did when I was a younger coach, uh, about five years in, we, we always had success with, uh, we always had great players off the bounce and, and being in attack mode. And I got, I saw the, the beeline uh, offense and fell in love with it. And I thought, man, this is great. So I put it all in once one off season, you know, five out guys were flying around, moving great cuts, handoffs, here's, you know, everyone's involved. It was, it was fantastic. So we run it through. Uh, we get into uh, practices, we're flying around, it's great. I love it. We get into our first scrimmage, we can't score the ball at all. I mean, for 30 seconds, we were great moving the ball, flying around, passing, cutting. I mean, the passing and cutting was beautiful. We got points for that, it'd be great. But we weren't looking to score, right? We weren't going north and south. So I walked in, looked at the team, going, okay what have we been doing the last three weeks? Scrapping it all, fellas. We're back to what we do. Get paint touches. Let's drive it. Let's, and I was, I was overthinking and I was trying to do too much with what we had. And uh, so I think we got to know your personnel with that as well. Um, and have, and, and, but you have to put pressure on the rim. Um, and ask, and that's really what yeah. we always talk about. And, and then going back to the pressure stuff, coach, and you're talking about uh, running and, and, and the numbers, we score off uh, after their team uh, makes a shot. We're trying to score quickly. Uh, and you have to have that mentality with your kids. Yeah, like, let's let's score when the other team scores. Like, it can just be so demoralizing for them. So put that pressure on the rim in the full court. We'll, we can slow down. It's really hard to be slow and then try to speed up. But when you – you can slow it down in the fourth quarter of a game and, and execute. But, man, when you can score and just and just keep throwing the ball up ahead and being in attack mode, it, it just changes things for you so much, I think, and that confidence. And it's fun. It's a fun brand of basketball.
2: Glenn, you know, you, yeah, go yeah, go ahead, Pete, go ahead. It, to me, if you're not running after maids, you're really not running because what you do, you let them celebrate and you let them catch their breath. And if physical conditioning is part of your program, you're, you're giving your advantage back to them. I wanted to ask you about your fast break. Does yeah. your point guard, do you have your point guard slicing the floor on the break? That's what uh, Izzo does. I put so, that in late in my career and it really helped. So,
1: uh, our point guards. So, one of the first things we do when we have our open gym runs is when the ball goes to the net, our four man needs to take the ball out of bounds or whoever the closest yeah. is on the rebound. And so the kids get really good at this when they get uh, used to it. So, if I'm the three man, I'm on the backside, ball comes in right in my, my hands, I'll step out of bounds and get the ball in. We, everyone has to learn how to take the ball out of bounds and get it going and get the ball over your head and throw it. Um, yeah. and, and when you're running, when you're running, I think it's really important that you allow the kids time to learn how to pass and play fast. And, th- and at first, man, the ball's going to be flying all over the place. And a lot of coaches don't want to do this and run because they're afraid of the ball flying all over the place and turnovers all over here. When I- my guards get the ball and they throw the ball up ahead and it's an aggressive mistake and it's a turnover, man, I don't get upset at all. I said I like the idea. I know where you're yeah. going with it. Uh, same thing with our bigs, trying to like throw out that passes or are getting our fours used to taking the ball out of bounds. At first, they look horrible doing it. And then at the time, like man, they're snapping that thing off. They're getting the ball to half court. So my my point guard, they have to be outside the free throw line to receive the ball. If they're if you come back to the ball mm-hmm. underneath the free throw line, it's the automatic turnover, and then you're not getting a chance to run. So get to them. So now they're they're constantly swim through swimming through uh, both ways, doesn't matter left or right. And what I want is they catch it, and, and so we have to find them, you know, we have to find them up the court uh, as our bigs. And then that point guard's job is if you have nothing on your same side, change boxes. Get the ball to the other side. So as we run, you know, a two-man runs the right lane, as most do, three runs. The, we give so much success getting the ball to the three side, right? Because you're going to try to find a way to take away your five and your two running. But let's get the ball to the three side. Exactly. But I'm not afraid to change boxes, what we call it, just cross over and get to the other side of the floor and then be in attack mode. Um, and once you get there, let's not, go, let's not stop. Now it's a ball reversal and attack on the backside, attacking that closeout. And
2: uh, so, I think that gets the kids. See, very- that's why that's why Izzo – that's why Izzo cross. that's why he – when I say slice, I mean you get the outlet pass on, say, the right side, your point guard's going to head to the edge of the middle circle. Yep. And it changes the angle of what your point guard sees. He sees more of the three and more of the four that's on the block. Yeah. But it's easy to see the two and you they just get better vision there and i think it makes a big big difference when you slice that floor it really helped our break an awful awful lot yeah i love and I just, you know, love people that don't coach. understand i i don't man. i i i think the world of it it just it changes every it i tell you what it does too it gets your foreman or your big man more in the ball game i like yep. i started it lately of emphasizing the big guys in the break Yeah. And making them run the floor, you know, and getting down the floor and getting the ball to them over the top. But anyway, I just wanted to ask about the slicing the floor there that that Izzo does. And if you're watching play, they do it every time. Yeah, I love that. They get to the middle of the floor and it get, opens up the whole
1: floor for them. No question. And when you have jets that can handle the ball, because that's the other thing, too. I think sometimes we, we, we tell our point guards, well, yeah, we want to get past the ball up. Sometimes the best thing to do is keep it yourself and you're in attack mode because they can slow down a two or a three. But when you're one has the ball and it, yeah, it'd be great to get it up. But if you don't cross that thing back over, like you talk, about. I, love, I, love, I love that slice cut. Get to the middle of the floor, get to the other side as we talk about changing boxes and it puts so much more pressure on the defense. Now they don't know where the point guard's going. Then you have that trail man that you can use as a ball screen uh, as well. And, and, and uh, a late ball screen. Now that puts them even more pressure.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Cause we use that a lot, uh, Glenn with, I'm just going to ask you about the trail ball screen. We use that a lot. As Pete knows, we got a great point guard and we love coming up setting quick, quick transition ball screens for her. And, boy, that just opens up the floor on that. I mean, that, to me, we love that option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's no need to uh, slow down into that. I, I love the dribble handoffs in that, too, especially if you have a, if you have a great point guard, uh, even have them coming back to it. So, like, it might be a kick ahead, uh, and then they get it back on a ball reversal, and it goes right into a ball screen, and they're never going to see it uh, coming uh, that late. And then especially if you have someone picking and popping. Uh, we love the pick and pop version of that as well. Uh, but yeah, the more you can get your point guard in motion with their ball screens, um, uh, I think it's just, it, it's, it's, it's so helpful. We, we, we saw that because when you get five on five, now they can set themselves as far as how it is they want to help, help off the ball screen. But if you're doing it in transition, uh, it, it's a problem. So that's why it's so important for your point guards as they bring it up. They don't have to always give it up, right? Get to the sideline a little bit. Or maybe the other sideline however it is and you dribble it over and then you drill right back into that ball screen from your, your trail and, and i think it's so
2: effective i yes. want to ask one other thing Kevin. do y'all use the short corner very much yes yeah uh,
1: definitely i think it's so important uh, first off against zone for sure like you have to use the, the short corner against zone yeah. um, you have to just absolutely just pound it in there Uh, But the short corner with our – because our our four-out one-in that we we talked a little bit bit earlier, I don't like to post anybody anymore, right, because I want to keep X5. I don't know – I want X5 to know, and kids don't really uh, put it inside so much. Kids aren't great at post moves, and that's okay. In fact, everything we do right now with our post players is when they catch it, I want you to turn their face. We don't need to be one step doing a jump hook. I'm tired of watching jump hooks. Uh, and, and kids miss jump hooks. It's just not good at it. It's okay. Like, like, uh, so how about we turn the face and attack? But if we get them to the short corners and you, you give your guards an opportunity to see, uh, open opportunity, and then you teach uh, your your uh, your post players, whoever's in the short corner, to kind of just keep moving and sliding. Now, all of a sudden, like, they're hard. At, where are they, right? They're all constantly kind of... Uh, Uh, moving down there so they're they're kind of hard to find and and then all of a sudden catching and scoring I think it's so much more effective than actually just digging into somebody you know stepping in and and posting up all the time we're almost like not utilizing them right unless you have a true post player that can actually score in the post with post moves why are we posting people up Uh, so
2: I I do love kind of getting them behind the defense I wanted to ask you one other thing about that Uh, short corner it's almost impossible to keep somebody from getting the ball on the short corner especially a big guy and then if you have a post player at the foul line now you've got to dive to the basket short corner to dive man yeah and that's what's worked so well for me and it's pretty simple but You'll get it
1: done. It's and, But, it, yeah, because it's not sexy, Coach, a lot of people don't like to work on it. and cause it's and, and, But when you do, and especially what we found real important when we do our bigs and guards breakdowns is making sure that our, our, our bigs, when they catch the ball there, are comfortable throwing the ball, skip passing. It might be a, a kick to the opposite corner. It might be the dive man for sure. And they're pretty good at the dive. And, and, and you know what I find, too, is post players are the best post passers. They know how to pass to each other. But going back to that, you have that dive man down. Now I have the ball in the short corner. And if I'm really good at what I do, I can snap past that uh, uh, to the top of the key because that guard's going to be wide open that's been left there. But uh, well, we have to make sure we execute it. We make sure that they get their passing in uh, out of the post, out of that short corner. Yeah, I love that. And, of course, uh,
0: yeah, I love that option. The short corner is a great option. Don't you agree? To, we were working with my bigs the other day on – Really not, not only taking the shot from the short corner and passing, but ripping through and taking a hard power move. I don't know where I learned that from, Glenn, but we teach our players that the short corners, you can really attack.
1: You can. The, the key, obviously, you said there is a, when they get the ball there, you can't stand straight up with it, right? And So many tendencies for people to stand up and look, and all of a sudden you're going to get jammed up for sure. Um, so ripping through, going baseline, and that's why we like to really practice on and filling that, uh, that baseline corner because if there's going to be any help, now they get used to passing it out. Right. Well, if we think about the trouble that we have for our, our players that do play in that short corner, um, a lot of times they don't get the ball because their teammates don't trust them. Or maybe we don't trust them because they're going to turn the ball over too much, right? Uh, so if, the more we can teach them where to look when you get stuck. But having that option of catching, ripping through, getting to the baseline side, reverses on, on uh, from there, or two-foot, and it's always two-footed, right? But also catching and ripping through middle. Like, I think a lot of times we don't do enough as coaches to teach these big kids, uh, the fours and the fives, that don't handle the ball that much in the first place. You're, you're in a, If you're in the short corner, you're probably not someone that's a high-volume, you know, ball handler, right? Which, by the way, makes me think of this, wow. Coach, though. too. I love putting – uh, guards in the short corner sure. uh, against zone. I love doing that against zone very, very because good. now they're playmakers out of that area where you're not used to, if you're a zone defense, of a playmaker there. But I do think the more we teach our kids how to play out of that short corner and pass out of it and what to look for, they're not getting stuck, and then all of a sudden it's a turnover going the other way. Now your teammate doesn't want to throw it to them because, you know, last time I threw it to them, they turned the ball over. I mean, it's about trust. And uh, the more we can do that for our players uh, in that short corner and utilize it. You know, that's why I, I think hockey is such a great sport, right? And you see how much hockey stays behind the net. I mean, that's how we talk to our kids about it, is hockey plays behind that net and, and utilizes so many things. So we're, we're hurting ourselves by not using all 94 feet of the court. I love what you're
0: saying. I, I think – Coach,
2: I – Yeah, go, go, go ahead, Pete. Last question. Any comment is, here, I don't think – Sure. I love – I love that, I, what you said about putting your point guard at short corner. Mm-hmm. Most people just don't want to do that. But you got your best passer looking at your four man diving. And yep. then if the dive man's not there, that skip pass is going to be wide open every time. And y'all okay. really probably shot it by then. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Hey, hey Kevin, I just want to make sure you know you keep saying Glenn has to go. If we cut this thing short, it's not gonna be because Glenn had to go. I just wanna let you know that you gotta be talking okay. right now, get you <laughs> So so when we yeah. go, it's because you decided hey it's time for us to call it a night. I, I can keep right. doing this. I can do this forever. This is great. I know. We hey we really appreciate it. we can pick your brain all night, Glenn. So oh, this is fun. You this be is careful.
0: fun. No, <laughs> absolutely. Um yeah, it's funny how there's so many nuances of the game, isn't there? Do you think and this is kind of an off-base question though, do you think there's enough good teachers of the game that teach the nuances or more they just teach the basic schemes? I think nuances and details win.
1: So um that's a great I I love the question because I I truly I think that uh again, I've been doing this for so long, like sometimes you, you realize that you, you, you know, you maybe you are overthinking it as a coach, but our job is to kind of get those fundamentals down, right? So there are times we're not losing games and no matter how nuanced my teams can be and how smart they can be, we're losing because of basic fundamental things that maybe I didn't do enough of uh, repetitions with understanding why it is that we're being successful, or not successful. I feel like every time I get into a season halfway through and we're really watching the film, what I'm still doing is correcting the things that, uh, are the are the na- normal things to help the helper plays how it is to play a ball screen you know where uh, how are you properly contesting uh, if i have the ball offensively what am i looking for am i am i driving the ball to the right places they're still 14 to 18 years old so I, I really do think that it's 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 really important for us to remember uh how how um fundamental we have to be with our coaching and reminders of it one of the nicest things over the last couple of years is how you hear the college coaches and the NBA coaches mic'd up and how they're saying like the normal things that we say right? Reminding their players of these. And these are the best best athletes in the world. And 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 this isn't for a show. I mean, they truly are having those side conversations about the very fundamental basic things. Uh, one of the things that uh, like, and even just as a skill development thing, like, you know, Kobe, all our players love Kobe. Um, and and he's, he gave so much to the game. And what he did was he worked on his footwork so much. And he was constantly so fundamental about his footwork. And so when you see players and coaches that are just so specific about the fundamentals, we can't forget about how important those are um, and, and build that because it was interesting. You mentioned to me earlier today when we talked about culture and identity, and it made me think about my teams. And one of the things I always try to make sure I do, and I'm always successful doing this, is because I, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We know what the culture and identity that we have in our head, but it doesn't matter what we know, it matters what our players know. So I want to go to our players and say, what do you think of our program? What do you think our culture is? What do you think our identity is? And when they were able to kind of give me back the, the kind of the building blocks of who we are and what I want us to be and what we all want to be, it's fantastic. Sometimes the kids get stuck and they're like, well, that's my fault. I haven't spent enough time making sure they hear from me of why we do things. I had a coaching meeting the other day with all my coaches on a Zoom call. And I kind of walked through a little bit of things, some of the, things that, uh, the processes and the things I believe in because I hadn't done it for a while. And it was like, well, I think everyone kind of knows, but they need to hear from me again about, okay, hold on. These are our, these are our major uh, foundational things that we believe in as a, as a staff and as a, as a program. So I, I really want to make sure that I – for culture and identity, for things that – like I want to know what the players know. I want to find out where I'm missing some things. Some kids maybe just are missing out on, on understanding what we're trying to get accomplished offensively, defensively, whatever their, their position is. And so keep communicating those basic fundamentals – And I think in the long run, it's it's going to pay off. And I always tell the kids, I said, as many of you guys want to go to college, there's no secret formula once you get there. You're going to be hearing the same things we do right now and what we're trying to kind of explain to you. There's definitely another level of things, no question. But you have to have the basics down and understanding. you're going to constantly learn that. And if you don't have it down, you're going to be exposed when you get there. Uh, and then the nuances, yes, those are the fun things. I think that are uh, the, the the pieces of the game that, is, as coaches, that's when we get a chance to win the game for our kids. Is when we or can make an adjustment at halftime when we see a play that that uh, worked or didn't work, and how can it, can we maybe tweak it uh, to to be able to utilize. I try to come up with a lot of things on the sideline that I, I can kind of communicate with my players. Um, that isn't a call that is you know something you know it's, it's something still si- si- simple. That may lead to an easy bucket, but it may be something I see that they're not reading right on a play. But I give them the, you know, hey, this is a backdoor cut here, or this dribble handoff, uh, let's do this off this. And if you do it and, and you have it, you, you feel good as a coach because you like, you contributed without, by, by just giving a hand signal maybe uh, to a kid a reminder of what to look for. And I think those are the things that we are responsible for. But when we lose games because our kids aren't fundamental, you know, we, I, I don't wanna be the guy like, oh, you know, man, I I kept telling this kid, or I kept we're not, we're not doing this right, it's like, man, it's still on me, you know, it's still on me to like, we're still looking like this, I don't care, you can practice it all day long, if they're still not playing defense the right way, or help side, and you're not getting over and rotating properly, man, I'm going to keep working as a coach until I get that right, and until then, it's, I'm not just going to look at the kid going, oh, I tried to tell him, I told him a thousand times. Well, maybe I should have told him a thousand to one, you know, like maybe I should have showed it one more time in that repetition. Maybe I should have showed it one more time in that film study. Maybe I should have uh, repped it more in practice or I should have wrapped it, repped it with my backup uh, backup foreman who didn't get as many minutes. And now all of a sudden he's in the game and he made a mistake and say, it's like, that's my fault. Cause I didn't spend enough time with him. When we have that mentality as coaches, man, I think we're more successful and more more effective for our players. Uh, instead of putting it on them, let's put it on us, you know, and then, and then you know, we have control over the situation now of, of when it's going to be, and, you know, I can walk out of a lot of games knowing, man, guys, that was my fault. I, I didn't get the job done for you tonight, and when you, as a leader, take ownership of what happens on the court, your players are going to take ownership for themselves. If you're pointing the finger at them going, hey, we worked on this, and you keep making this mistake, you know, well, uh, now the kid's going to be looking at you going, are you kidding me? Like, you're, you're kind of bailing out on me right now, coach? Come on. Like, so if you, the kids love it and they care about it, then you can root for them in that way. Um, and so, yeah, holding accountability for yourself goes a long ways, I think, for for helping helping your kids be successful and hold themselves accountable. Sorry, I went a lot. I, I got going there a little uh-huh. bit. Coaches, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to coach anybody for a while. So, I know. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're coaching us. But. I,
2: just, I just want to make a comment about what, you, what you're saying there. You know, if we make excuses, then our players will make excuses. Yep. And you can't do that. It's got to be right here. It's like I tell our kids, I say, hey, if you miss a shot, that's my fault. we got to work on it, you know, and it really worked. But old school coaches, I'm from that era, it was always because I said so. Right. Then I found out as I continued to read and grow, I found out that why is the greatest motivator there is. When your kids, it's not overt, you know, but once they understand why, they play harder, their feet get quicker. You just got to take the time to explain. And you were saying that a while ago. Y'all spend a lot of time talking about why. Absolutely, Coach. And I think you said, even
1: because I said so, it worked. right? So when something works, you roll with it. But we've learned that some things don't work. My, my players from my, my older school, uh, Roosevelt, or even my early days at PBI, they're like, Coach, man, you've gotten soft. Like, you know, they come back and they watch. And I'm like, these kids aren't built the way you are. They're just not, they're just wired differently now. So if I coach them the way I, some of the kids, some of the players at Roosevelt, man, we, we get, we'd have our shell drill going on, our four on four. And it would be like a bloodbath. These guys are going at each other. They're like trying to kill each other. I'm challenging them. I'm yelling at them, you know, and, but it's fun. As soon as we get off the court, they're like, we're all best friends again, including the coach. I mean, because we love, and that's how we competed. That's how we learned. We knew how to do that. Kids do it now. And they're looking at you going we, gotta, no, this isn't basketball, this isn't how, so, so you have to adapt to the times, because, again, it doesn't matter how we feel about it, it matters about how can you get the most out of your players, right, coach, so that because I said so, and exactly. I do why, yeah. yeah, it's, there's a nice mix to it all, but it, it matters to, like, how is it that they want, they can learn, and that's what our jobs as teachers, is figure out what works for them, not what works for us, we know what works for us, right, but it's not about us, it what, is, what works for them, and, so I don't know. I have tried to change too with, with some of the ways we look at things. And uh sometimes you try and it doesn't work, and you gotta keep trying.
0: Hey, hey, coach, we're right now we're in the fourth quarter. I want you to finish strong right now. My last question is this. We, we don't know if we're gonna play or not. I mean, I don't know how it is in uh your in your state, but I know that we have a 25-game schedule. We could play maybe five games. Our team can get, you know, the virus, whatever, anything's possible. How are you preparing for this upcoming season? It's going to be crazy.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I've, I I, believe in just with everything that's going on in the world right now is, is we're leaders. Like, our kids are going to look to us. I, I actually had this conversation with one of our administrators here at the school uh, today, and I work in admissions, so. Um, uh, we were talking about the difficulty and we're, and we're doing a hybrid style right now, uh, and, and things are working and we're, we're, we're trying our best. And I think I'm really proud of our school. Uh, but I said to her, I said, when you watch a basketball game and something goes wrong on the court, the camera immediately goes to coach K to Jay Wright. Like they're, they're, they're showing, uh, the, the coaches and how they react. Uh, when a player makes a mistake on a the court, they have a tendency to look over at you. Hey, how's coach going to react to this? And one of the things that that I learned from Jim Laranaga uh, when he was at George Mason, and I think he's amazing. I've had conversations with him why he does this. <clears throat> you look over it. When something bad happens, he claps it up for his, his players. They see him clap it up and, and are positive. Because if something negative is happening, and as a coach, as a leader, they look to you, uh, they're going to respond in kind. So we actually won a state championship game uh, at, at, at Roosevelt uh, back in 2002, a long, long time ago, our first one. And one of my players actually made the mentions, like, during our play- ch- uh, playoff run, I would look over at coach when things weren't going well, and I saw he was confident, so it gave me confidence, and, and so I've always believed in that, so the reason I bring, that, I bring that all up is, in this era right now, all of our kids are looking at us, you know, everyone's looking to us as leaders going, how are you reacting to this, so if I'm downtrodden about, hey, I don't know, I mean, this is so frustrating, it's so challenging, man, they're going to feel it, too, everyone's feeling something, we're all feeling it, you know, so we have to, I think, just portray uh, from a leadership standpoint in a, a positivity an enthusiasm that whatever comes our way, we're going to figure it out. It's not going to be easy, but that's okay. There's a challenge of it. This is who we are in basketball. In a, in a basketball game, when things aren't going well, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to figure it out together. And so that's what I've been trying to tell my players, my, our families, our coaching staffs, let's stay positive. I'm not sure what's coming our way, but that's what's great about basketball. We, we are a fluid sport, right? We work in chaos. We, we're used to having yeah. things like trying to figure things out. You know, I make fun of my football friends, uh, my football fo- coaching friends. Like, you guys got it easy, man. They play last for five seconds. You got another 25, 30 seconds to figure it out. We don't have that kind of time in basketball. <laughs> so with life right now, we no, don't have that kind it. of time to kind of just be frustrated. Let's be positive. So my, my take on it is this. Right now, we're looking at Uh, potential, we move back, we're going to be able to start practices in December, have games in January, February, as it looks right now, Uh, we are, we're shut down really for the fall, we're not really doing anything, and I said, it's okay, like, we're going to move forward, you guys all love the game, I've challenged all my players this whole time, is you still have a round ball, you have an opportunity to go find ways to play, you're doing a lot of different things, fall in love with the game again, you don't have me over your shoulder, I have not done a lot of Zoom calls and meetings with my players, I've given them some freedom to, to kind of fall in love with the game of basketball again. They don't have coaches on top of them telling them what to do and how to think. Go figure it out yourself. Go work on your bodies. This is up to you. There's no one – you can't you, – you have no one No one stopping you, right? And we're here to support you. So let's have some fun with this. Let's, so I, I think if that's the overriding theme within our program and with how it is we coach with the game of basketball – our kids will be enthused and excited. I had a conversation with one of our girls, uh, one of our senior uh, senior guards, and our girls team is outstanding. They've been ranked in the top 20 in the country as well over the last few years. And I told her, I said, look, the way I'm looking at it is we just got pushed back six weeks. So right now, we typically start September 1 with all our workouts. So now October 15th. That's okay. Don't get Don't get frustrated with this. We're okay because you want to ramp up the right way in basketball anyway. You can't be playing 12 months a year. We all know here that uh, the kids have been playing too much. So all the injuries, all the things that they're doing year-round, like this has been a reset. Yes. So let's all reset, and then we'll ramp up properly. I don't, I don't care what's going on in September and October. i got to be honest with you because I want January, February for our kids. So let's do everything right. Let's be smart. Let's, not, let's, let's wear our masks. Let's stay socially distanced. Let's get our workouts in. Let's be, let's be that, and we, we love that. We don't have the type of kids, fortunately, in my program. They're working out. They're playing they're working on their skill sets, they're working on their ball handling, like, and we all are telling our kids, work more on your ball handling, uh, working on your footwork. Let's work at the game, let's work on our craft, and let's be ready, so when January, February hits, and that's the control the controllables, it's your time to shine. And you know, this, you know the spotlight's gonna be on all of us, and it, the spotlight can either burn you, or it can shine on you. And that's what our job is, if come January, we gotta be ready for when the lights come on, we're ready to go. And that's what we can control, so let's be positive and let's attack it in that way. So that's how I've been. I believe in it, and I'm not going to change my mind no matter what comes our way here September, October. We're just going to roll with the punches.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and I think basketball for the high school kids are going to be the best. I, I think I have a girl that did not play. She she used to, She's playing all year round, nonstop. And right now, she's not. She's taking time off. She's already signed with the school, Glenn. I think she's going to have her best year because she's going to be fresh-minded. And yep. so, I, Pete, you know destiny. So I think that's a great wisdom. I think basketball's oh, yeah. going to get good. I think it's going to be fine.
2: I learned a great lesson years ago, and I thought I might die and go to hell for doing it as a basketball coach. I gave my kids a day off yeah. It was on Wednesday. <laughs> right? And we practiced, yeah. we, practiced, we practiced like demons. And one day they all came in and I said, guys, we're going home. Yep. And they went crazy, couldn't believe it. They said, Coach, you're lying. <laughs> no, I said, I said, go home. Go do what you want to do. The next day, coach, to this day, I've never had a better practice than the day after we let them off. Yep. You know, Tar Canyon had a rule the last 10 or 15 years, every fifth day, his players did not practice basketball, no matter when that fifth day fell. And that's a critical thing. And so you were talking about how the coach, the players look at us and that determines how they feel. Yep. Tar Canyon one time recruited the, the number one shooter in America when he was at a school before Tar before, uh, uh Nevada, Las Vegas, but anyways, in California and, uh, best shooter six, five average, 40 something points a game in high school. When he got there, his shooting percentage just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. Got worse and worse. Canyon calls him in to talk to him. He says, son, what in the world is happening to you? We recruited you you're the best shooter in the country. He says, now it looks like you can't shoot. This kid leans forward, looks at Canyon. and this took some courage. He says, coach, I can still shoot. I can always shoot. I just can't shoot for you. Canyon said, he said, I like to fell out of my chair he said what do you mean you can't shoot for me he said if you ever looked at yourself and looked at your assistant coaches when i missed two shots in a row you would think the world's coming to an end it's like y'all are expecting me to miss and he said i I just can't do it coach he said because i see y'all and i see and i I think y'all don't think i can shoot (laughs) tarcanian said he said He next day he called all his coaches in. He said, "I don't care if he misses ten shots in a row. You better have a smile on your face or I'm gonna fire you." And he said, "One of the greatest lessons he ever learned in coaching, right there. If you got a great shooter, you got to roll with it. They miss five in a row, it just means you're gonna make five in a row. And they really do look at you, and it determines their whole body language." Now Kevin has puts a lot of emphasis with his players on their body language. Yeah, and um. I don't know. I just learned a lot of things from little things like that. And um, it uh, just makes – I think those things make all the difference in the world. They do. I, I love that story. Thanks for sharing it with me. It reminds me of
1: a situation. We had a great shooter a few years ago by the name of Patrick Holloway. Um, and he, he, he averaged his last two years 112, I think, threes a, 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 a season. Like He could really shoot 47%. And at the beginning of the year, very first game we're playing – um, and, uh, he comes up to me, we, and, and we have this little routine, right, we go through our warm-up series for the first ten minutes. we go in, go in the locker room, come back out, and then we break up into little pods, right, we of people do that stretching, maybe some ball handle over here, and some guys shooting, so he comes up, he's like, hey, coach, is it okay if I just shoot threes the whole nine minutes, and I don't do anything else, like, can you just, you know, kind of just be one of the assistant coach? I'll just shoot all threes, like, and I'm standing next to a, a, a new assistant coach with me, and, and I look at, I look at Patrick, I'm like, absolutely, Patrick, you go right ahead. I yell over to my assistant coach, who else, the other ones, hey Curtis, you know, just you and Patrick, he's just shooting all through nine minutes. He's not gonna rotate, he's gonna keep shooting. So my my assistant coach looks at me he's like coach, that's crazy. Like you can't give him that special like, you know, he's like I go, <laughs> I go, coach, if he thinks that these next nine minutes are gonna be the reason he hits four threes tonight, we're gonna let him do it. <laughs> like and it, and it was part of his, <laughs> his part of his, his psyche. It meant that much to him. Hell yeah, we're gonna do everything we can to help this kid hit those <laughs> trees. You know, so I love that story. I'm gonna definitely use that. I, I love hearing that. That's fantastic.
2: Look, well, Tar Canyon was so funny. You know, I, it, well, anyway, I don't want to go back over it. But it, it is amazing how our mood and the tone of our voice affects everything those kids do. It's a reflection of us, and that's hard to deal with sometimes, isn't it? It is oh, yeah. an absolute reflection reflect of us. It's like Kevin's kids. Kevin's got the nicest kids in the world. I'm telling you, it's what every administrator prays for, that their athletes will do like his kids. But they're just a reflection of him, yeah. just being kind, doing kind things, you know, and makes a lot of difference. Do you remember the first black player that ever played in the SEC? Played at Alabama for CM Newton. He was the number first black player ever in the SEC. He led, I think he averaged like 16, 17 rebounds in game, a game in high school. Anyway, his rebounding just went down and down and down and down and down. See him, calls him into the office, says, son, look, what in the world, just like the shooter, says, what in the world's got got into you? said, I just can't figure it out. You're the best rebounder we've ever seen. And now you're down here in single digits on rebounding. He looks over at CMG and says, Coach, well, you're going to have to answer a question for me. Do you want me to rebound or do you want me to block out? <laughs> and CM said, what do you mean? He Coach, do you want me to rebound, get the ball, or block out? CM said he just rocked back. He said, son, you don't worry about a thing. You just go get the ball. CM said his rebounding went straight up. Number one rebounder in the SEC that year. See how all of our our ditty bops like blocking out is so critical, and you got coaches now like Dirt and our friend. It's your forearm, man. Right, Just right. Forearm under the neck. Go get so, it. So people, I, love, I don't I love,
1: what kind of stories? Uh, So right, it, it simplifies <laughs> the game, right? We actually like, hey, come on, let's get out of our own way. I, I I I so many conversations I have with people like, hey, so how do you work on contests? You know, like you have two footed? How you come out? you close out? High hand? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, just get there. I, 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 don't, I don't care. Just get there. Like, I'll, I'll break it down. We'll try to show some things, but like, you just need to get there. Like, you know, let's not be so technical with every little thing and every aspect of our, our game. And that's, that's a perfect example. I mean, that's, that's so true. That's why with yeah, even yeah. rebound. And we don't do uh, with our rebound. We, if, if we're going to do some sort of rebounding stuff, it, 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 it's just hit and go, just go get the ball. Like, we want to talk about rebounding out of the yeah. area. I think it's just we get too technical. I think we have too much time on our hands. I
2: really do. I think we just have too much time re- recreating things, you know. I got it down to one phrase, and we just said, I just said, look, just hit and get. Yeah. Hit and get with that form, you know. Just hit, bump, go get it. Yeah. And uh, one of our friends, uh, Coach Hicks from up in Alabama, the place, Little well, Marymount, that's what we did. He uh, He was a big emphasis on teaching offensive rebounding. Yeah. And it was a little thing, but Kevin, I thought that was great because I had I had never really just taught my kids and put emphasis on go get the offensive rebound. But it makes all his was it if when they block you out, you spin move every time. Just spin and go to the boards. But simple things. Simple yeah, things. absolutely. Just
1: getting them to be active, right? Just I mean, that, just, that right there, just spin. It just right. it tells it just reminds them to be active and be in movement. And when you're in movement, good things happen.
0: Yeah, it's so
2: true. Yes, it does.
0: The game of coaching is it's more of an art than a science almost. Uh, there's a lot of little things in it. And I know that, hey, we learned a lot from you, Coach Glenn. We really appreciate you joining us. I know you're an you're a, a unbelievable coach. Thank you for taking the time and sharing with us
1: oh i i'm happy to do this time with you guys uh, this was a lot of fun for me and uh, obviously learning a lot from you guys and just having this dialogue and communication obviously we walk away going okay hold on it kind of fortifies a little bit of some of the things that we already have in our minds or you know hey i need to kind of revisit this a little bit and make sure i tighten this part up because we're constantly in, in that motion and because we've been out of the game so much right now uh there's gonna be some things that uh, we have to all kind of figure out how to kind of make sure that we don't don't, don't try to do too much when we get back right aren't too eager with our guys but also in our girls and just, but also like give them the, the, the proper building boxes, uh, the enthusiasm that we all have for the game has got to shine through, but our message can't be jumbled when we get back and try to cram everything in, in a short period of time. And we have to be patient with them <clears throat> and yet keep pushing. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you have a, a chance to have a season. Uh, Pete, I, I tell you, I can't I t- tell you how much I enjoyed uh, listening to some of the stories and, 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 Hearing you, and, and uh, I think we, if we can do this again, I would love to be involved and maybe even listen in on somebody else uh, uh, that, that joins in too. So uh, thanks for this.
2: Yeah, I, thanks for this. I would, yes, I would love to talk to you about the fast break. I can always talk about <laughs> that. But I remember old Tar Canyon, I'm a one, two, three guy. If I got to have more than three things to, to teach you something, I'm not going to teach it to you. One, two, three. And Tar Canyon always said, Every time you give your kids one more thing to do, their feet get just a little bit slower. And I, th- I found that to be true. <laughs> Absolutely. There is
1: no question about that. In, in fact, part of my whole idea of how we run, has, I have to um, automatically let the players know that there are times when I'm not practicing or we're not doing anything to save their legs. Like you talked about a little bit ago because we need their legs the most. And and that leg, those legs are important for their jump shots too. And we have to we we can't I I'd want to practice seven days a week. I don't want to do it all the time. And uh, now I think you're right. You said it earlier. Like let's back off a little bit. And we can back off a little bit for the sake of moving forward faster. But I, I I'm gonna hold on to that that comment too because yeah when we when we're throwing too much at them, we can't expect them to, to be able to do anything great and uh and what we want right away is just give me the energy i want to play 100 miles an hour and we can't play 100 miles an hour if we're loading them up and putting it on their back too much yeah
2: thanks coach that's, that's a great reminder remember, for that uh, remember uh, westfall Loyola Marymount. of course he practiced an hour and 15 minutes and almost never over an hour and a half yeah he said to play the way we play You can't go any longer than that. Well, I never learned that, (laughs) and I wish I had.
1: (laughs) No, I think I think it's so. I I I I get it. It makes a lot of sense. It really does.
0: Yeah, the NBA calls that load management. Yeah, load management.
1: Yeah, yeah. Load management. Yeah, load management. Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Hey, Glenn, what's the best (laughs) way for my listeners to get a hold of you? I have coaches from. All over the country that tune in. What's the best way to get a hold of Coach Farello?
1: Yeah, so our website is just a little bit of information on us. Uh, is www.pvihoops.com, um, and then on in, in there is our is is, uh, is my information. My my email address is uh, gforello at paulvi.net. So that'd be g f a r e l l o at paulvi.net it is on our website. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to share with anybody. Like I say, I mean, my, my, I'm happy to share my two cents. It might be worth half a penny, but I'm, I'm happy to share and, 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 <laughs> and love and love having conversations about some basketball. And I like to, you know, just in those conversations, obviously I'm, I'm hoping to learn as much and, uh, we're all in this together trying to figure this thing out. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, I'd be happy to, to, to have conversations with anyone who wants to talk. And, and Pete, we'll talk more about this, uh, this running game that we, uh, we both love because that's, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a dying art, and, and you have to be able to do it in a way that is better than what everyone else is doing. So, you can't, you, you can't it's not enough to be able to run. You got to be able to run faster than everybody, and that's a, it's a whole other level, right?
2: Exactly right. And, buddy, you're the oppositions. If you run on every possession, I promise you the shooting percentage of who you're playing is going to drop in every game because of what you said their legs are gonna be just a little bit weaker and their feet are gonna be just a little bit slower than your kids. Absolutely.
0: Coach, thank you. For, hey, you're part of the Championship Vision uh, family now, Coach, we really no, appreciate I, you joining us.
1: No, absolutely, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate you, you making the time for me and uh, I look forward to doing this again, hopefully soon with y'all. All right, Coach, thank you so much. Hey, I you wish you the it. best. Thank you All for right, good luck, us. good luck. Yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks.
3: What's up, friends? It's Ben Landers, and I'm the founder of a website called thepespecialist.com. I want to say thanks to Kevin for letting us sponsor this episode, and also just for the great podcast that he puts out on the regular for PE teachers. episode sponsored by the PE Specialist membership. If you're not familiar with it, it's an awesome program with ready-to-go printable unit plans, lesson plans, tutorial videos, e-courses, printable Posters and station signs, and you can even get certificates of completion to help you finish your teaching certificate. We've also got some awesome follow-the-leader videos and some animated gift slideshows to give your kids some awesome visuals and show them how to do different skills like jump rope, paddle skills, soccer, ball handling, basketball. I hope you check it out at thepespecialist.com/info. You can check that page out for more information. Once again, thepespecialist.com/info. Kevin, and have an awesome day.
2: Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado.
1: Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hilligas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge.
3: And if you want to see how
1: Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's h u d l dot com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.